It gets to the point of just how public a lot of the flight data are. This came up in the issue of Elon Musk's private jet. The whole Elon Musk thing is, I, I think his reaction was a little bit exaggerated. <laughs> you think? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I have to be careful what I say. I don't want our account yes. to be banned from Twitter. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Hello and welcome to GeekWire. I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop. We are coming to you from Seattle, where we report each day on what's happening around us in technology, business, and innovation. What happens here matters everywhere, and every week on this show, we talk about some of the most interesting tech and business stories in the news. This week, we go behind the scenes of another media site, Hype Aviation, a news aggregation portal that you might think of as tech meme for aviation, space, and defense news. My guests are Robin Koenig, who started the site, and Isaac Alexander, a Seattle-area aviation geek who serves as its chief content officer. Hi, I'm Robin. Uh, I'm the founder of Hype, Hype Aviation, uh, a website that is aggregating news from the defense, aerospace, and space industries. Hello, I'm Isaac Alexander, and I'm the chief content officer for Hype Aviation, so I am in charge of all the content that you see on the site. Long-time listener, first-time guest. Is this the first time you've been on, Isaac? Yeah, this is my first time uh, debuting here on the GeekWire podcast and happy to do so. Well, in full disclosure, Isaac is a real favorite of the GeekWire team. He's very good at helping us see the landscape of things that in some cases we might miss. And it's fitting because that's what you're doing as chief content officer at Hype Aviation as well, working with Robin. I wonder if we could start with you, Robin. Can you tell us the backstory? Because you started this before you met Isaac. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. he did. <laughs> <laughs> Hype Aviation originally didn't have that name. That's a project that I started as like a hobby project back in 2016, 17, I think, because I wanted to have a tool or, or some way for me to follow aviation news without having to follow hundreds or thousands of sources uh, because it's very difficult to keep keep track and not spend too much time on it. So I started working on this little side project in 2017. I've just been living on my computer for a couple of years and I improved it from time to time and tweaked things here and there. Then in 2021, like one and a half years ago, I had some time between jobs and thought, okay, well, this is a good time to, well, spend some more time working on it, bringing it to a level that I can publish it on the internet and share it with people and to see if people like it. And uh, that's what I did. Yeah. And so what is your background? <laughs> Long story. So I originally started in advertising. So I've been working in advertising in an advertising agency in Germany for a couple of years. Um, got a little bit bored by that and felt like I need, need to do something else where I can, I don't know, something that is a little more challenging are going to offend a lot of graphic designers now. <laughs> um, but I wanted to do something else. And at that time, like I was actually working in print, like in the early 2000s. Internet got more popular, more, more important, more and more companies wanted to have websites. So in that job at that time, I started to get into web development, just taught myself and wanted to do more in, um, on the technical side of things. After a while, I decided to go back to school and uh, got, a, got a degree in computer science and uh, have since been working as a software engineer. Ah, okay. And you've had an interest in aviation over the years? Yeah, always. As a, as a kid, I've always been interested and, and following the news and, and just generally interested in aviation. Um, 
I thought that I'm very enthusiastic and uh, very crazy about aviation until I met Isaac, but that's that's a different topic. Well, you have one thing over me is that you got to work with one of the giants for a little bit, bit, a bit of time. Yeah. Well, I while I was going to school, I was um, doing like a for six months a, a project with Airbus in Germany back then. Uh, Airbus Defense and Space, so it was in the, in the space, um, are working on software, ground software for the ISS, actually, ISS module. Hmm. For the International Space Station. Mm -hmm. Wow. As you alluded to just now, Robin, I don't think I've ever met anybody who's more enthusiastic about aviation than Isaac Alexander is. So, Isaac, you have a military background. Yes, uh, from uh, 2004 to 2010, uh, I was in the U.S. Navy working on both F-18 uh, Hornets and F-18 Super Hornet aircraft. Have a year of sea time uh, that I spent on the USS Enterprise, did a world cruise. So uh, I worked on the GE 404 and 414 engines as an engine mechanic for those. So that was my time with uh, the Navy. And then when I got back, when I got out of the Navy in 2010, I attended an event that was held up at the Future of Flight Museum here up at Painfield called the Aviation Geek Fest. Basically, you had really passionate people there from all over the United States was, was attending that event. The, the cool thing about that event is we were able to walk the factory floor. It was the only way, as a member of the public, you could walk the factory floor of the Boeing, the biggest building in the world up there. And that was great. And uh, I, got, I got so charged up by that. Uh, I saw that social media was taking up and I needed to come up with a brand and stuff for myself. So I used kind of the uh, the moniker of, uh, you know, Seattle used to be called the Jet City when the 707 was being built. So I came up with Jet City and then uh, I saw saw that uh, Jeff Bezos was uh, creating his own rocket company here locally called Blue Origin. And I was interested in space as well. So I came up with Star. Thus, uh, kind of my brand for myself for doing freelance aviation writing as well as promoting aerospace was called Jet City Star, mainly on Twitter, uh, later to Instagram and Facebook as well as where you can find me on there. So how did you and Robin connect? Yeah. So like I said, I launched Hype uh, publicly in 2021, ran the site by myself and improved things and worked on it. And then Isaac reached out to me and said, hey, like he contacted me. I've, I've, I've known yes. his name. I've seen his name on Twitter. I, I've been following him for a long time. And he reached out to me and uh, said, hey, what you're doing there is amazing. I want to I learn more about it. I want to get involved. And then, uh, yeah, that's how, it, that's how it all started. We had a couple of meetings and discussed things. And yeah. since then, Isaac's on board. Yeah, him and I uh, kind of the same vision is that uh, there wasn't a aggre uh, news aggregator for aerospace specifically for it. And... Uh, Lo and behold, you know, someone from Germany and someone from the U.S. had the same dream. But he, Robin, you know, he built it and designed it. So, uh, which I'm very, very thankful, you know, because I was thinking about doing the same thing. But uh, for what I love to do, I love to deal with the content and dealing with the data uh, of all of everything. And so uh, our skill sets work really, really well together for what we're trying to build here with Hype. So Hype Aviation is at HypeAviation.com. Correct. And people in the tech world would say, oh, you're the tech meme for aviation. Is that fair? Do you like that comparison? How do you feel about it? I feel very honored, if you would say that. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> um, no, that's definitely true. And tech meme is is an inspiration, is the inspiration. Absolutely. So I've been following tech meme for I don't know how long, like yeah, since at they least started, 10 years. Yeah, since yeah. they at least started, in two, I think they started in 2005 and really kind of took off in 2006. So so what Gabe Rivera has built there is just amazing. I'm still a regular user of it, as is, as is he. But uh, we you know, we both love aerospace even more. So we wanted something equivalent for that. And Robin went out and built it. Yeah. So definitely TechMeme is the inspiration. And you, you see that um, you see that when you go to the site. I, I think it's a fair um, fair thing to to bring up. I really like TechMeme. I check the site several times every day, and 
indeed, for a while I've been thinking, hey, I wish I had something like this for aviation news. So there was nothing out there. So I just decided to build something myself. That's the way that many great entrepreneurial stories begin. You wanted it. You didn't see it. So you decided to make it happen. Coming up next, the editorial process at Hype Aviation and how technology and humans factor into the process. I wanted a career in IT, but I didn't know where to start. WGU makes it simple. Their accredited online degree programs cover all kinds of IT specialties, and they have valuable industry certifications built in at no extra cost. The payoff? Having those certs back up my degree makes me look even better to future employers. A nonprofit university that includes top industry certs in their programs? I choose WGU. Learn more at wgu.edu backslash IT certs included. Welcome back. It's Todd Bishop from GeekWire, and I'm joined this week by Robin Koenig and Isaac Alexander of Hype Aviation, a site focused on aviation, space, and defense news. Let's talk a little bit about the behind the scenes, if we can. As I understand it, TechMeme uses some automated technology to at least surface the content that it ends up featuring. I'm wondering if with Isaac behind the scenes, you might not just have the human equivalent of a bot to be able to scrape up all that stuff. I'd like to hear more about how you find and select the stories that you put on the site. It's a multi-step process. So the first thing is finding articles and stories that we could potentially post on the site. And that is happening mostly automatic. Um, so it's a combination of RSS feeds that we follow, of, of Twitter or social media feeds in general that we follow, all kinds of websites that we scrape in certain intervals to just discover new articles. And then we have an internal tooling where all of these articles are assembled and an initial automated process to figure out, hey, which articles kind of cover the same story, right? Like if there's a major news story, a lot of different outlets cover the same event that is happening. And there's an automated process that already tries to match these things, to bring all of these articles about a certain topic together. And based on that, already tries to determine how relevant a particular story is at the time, how popular it is and how we should rank it on the front page. And in addition to that, we analyze how a story is performing on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, um, to see like how are people interacting with a particular story at the time? Are they commenting? Are they retweeting? Who is commenting? So there's a factor of that as well, right? Are these people that we trust? If someone that we trust retweets a tweet that links to an article that tells us, hey, this is probably a story that is relevant for us. So that's the automated part. With that, we can achieve a lot. But after running the site myself for a couple of months, I realized uh, that there is still something missing. I can't automate everything. I've been doing a lot of work initially maintaining it, screening all of the articles, making sure that we don't accidentally post a story that was actually released five years ago, things like that. So there, there's always a human factor that, that needs to tweak and improve the, the content that we have on the site. And then with Isaac on board, he's now doing that full time. And um, since then, the, the quality has gone up significantly. And I think overall, um, yeah, the, 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 the product that we have today is, is much, much better than what we could do with automation only. 
So Isaac, for people who haven't seen the site, and I've got it up here on my computer right now, what kinds of content can they expect? Can you give us a sense for the editorial judgment that you bring and the types of things that, in your view, hype readers would want to see? So my job is, uh, you know, being head of content basically is I kind of like to talk about the new sources that we'll, we'll start new sources. I kind of like to break them down into the three sectors. You have your financial press, your, your CNBC, Financial Times, Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, Reuters, and stuff for it. Then you have your trade publications covering the industry, Space News, Space Watch, Defense News, uh, Jane's, uh, and then of course, Aviation Week, Flight Global, that type of thing. And then you have your mainstream news sources like locally here, the Seattle Times, or you could say the Washington Post, New York Times, uh, London Times uh, for it. So it's kind of looking through all these news sources every day and finding the factor and stuff of what is going to be relevant to the uh, people that work in the aviation defense or space sectors. So that is your target audience is people who are working in this industry? Correct. We want to be able to reach the decision makers. What we publish on our site, believe, is, is important enough that the leadership of various aerospace companies across the globe should be going to us. Like, for instance, the Southwest Airlines meltdown here in the United States. What I've tried to do as best I can is find the best articles that show the most comprehensive coverage of what went wrong and why it went wrong. And then, you know, what's the steps that the airline is taking forward? But it's not just Southwest. Other airlines, too, look for it to make sure their operations are going to be at the top of their game so it doesn't happen to them. What's the business model behind the site? There is no business model <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, so it, it started as a hobby project. And today there is no business model and uh, we're not monetizing the site at all. We could put ads, but I really don't want to put ads on the site Spoken as a former advertising industry person, right? Yeah. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> um, so I'm not against ads in general, but if you put ads, it should be very relevant to the audience. And I think um, most of the advertising platforms today don't uh, can't offer that to a degree that I would be happy with. Uh, but I think going back to TechMeme, as you mentioned earlier, they have a great model with their sponsorships, right? Where they have very, very relevant uh, sponsorships on the site. And that's something that we are definitely exploring. And we're having a couple of conversations to potentially bring that on the site. But to answer your questions, today we're not monetizing at all. Um, but we're exploring different options. I am curious with TechMeme, speaking as a tech journalist myself, when I get a story on TechMeme, it's a big deal. I take pride in it. We actually in Slack, this is a little behind the scenes detail at GeekWire, we have a bot that runs. And when one of our stories gets on TechMeme, it goes into our main news feed for the editorial team. And it, it's a little bit of a celebration because it means that you've broken through to the point that absolutely the decision makers mm -hmm. for their site noticed. Yep. There's also the flip side where I can imagine some journalists might say, hey, wait a second, why would I want a news aggregator to focus on my site? And I guess your answer there, I'm just sorry, I don't mean to answer it for you, but I guess your answer there would be the headlines people click on go to their story, not to your summary of their story. Yeah, I've been very, yeah, very clear is that, uh, you know, some of them have come to me and said, uh, don't put us out of business. And I'm like, if you're an aviation defense or space publisher, Rob and I want to make sure that your business is good, uh, is solvent. What we're trying to do with the site and for publishers that we're pointing to is the only thing we do, they might do the uh, airline A is coming to this airport or flying type of thing. We will actually write that, rewrite the headline to actually be more 
uh, you know, more descriptive of what it is. More because, informative be, because on Because we, we don't want to waste people's time. The goal that we're trying to do for the headlines that are actually written on the site is you have an outline of the complete story in the headline period. And then you can click on it and go to it. Or you can look, to, you know, and beneath that, then you have the links to all the other uh, publishers that all wrote about the same story as well. You have them all right there. So it's all encapsulated. So, you know, within you know a couple of seconds, you can flip back and forth uh, between them. To, and then you can gauge the, the value of what, what you've written. And to answer your question on the stats page, I have reached out to a bunch of the journalists. You know, I sent them a direct message, you know, showing that their their site or their article is the top story. And that I've gotten great feedback from the various journalists and a, and a few publishers as well. So. All right. We're going to take just a quick break. When we come back, I want to ask you about a couple of specific stories and a little bit of the technology that's happening in the aerospace and aviation industries. You're listening to GeekWire, and we will be right back. This GeekWire podcast is sponsored in part by Yale University Press. Are you concerned about the rise of AI and how it will impact our society? Every day, artificial intelligence presents us with urgent ethical challenges. How do we harness this extraordinary technology to empower rather than oppress? Nigel Shadbolt and Roger Hampson have written a how-to for building ethical machine intelligence. Their new book, As If Human, Ethics and Artificial Intelligence, is now available wherever books are sold. Welcome back. We're talking this week with the people behind Hype Aviation, a news aggregator for the aerospace and aviation industries, Robin Koenig and Isaac Alexander. So there's a couple stories that have just taken off, if you'll pardon the pun, Southwest Airlines and the debacle in terms of their computer systems. And one of the issues that a lot of people ran into was luggage. And there were some fascinating stories about AirTags from Apple being used to track luggage. I was testing Alaska Airlines' new electronic bag tag over the holidays on my own bag and in my own travels. Now, this does not on its own solve the lost baggage problem, but this whole situation over the past few weeks speaks to the need to really give people much more detailed tracking of their bags. Are you seeing that happen in the aerospace industry now or in the airline industry? Is there a move toward that kind of tracking? Well, I can tell you that I just uh, two days ago came back from Germany and Turkey and all my luggage had air tags in them. <laughs> that you put in there. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but that's very DIY, though. Well, it works. <laughs> so were you able to track all of your bags through yeah. the system? Yeah, absolutely. And did it give you a level of comfort? Yes, it actually did. And I, I did check. Like, I made sure that, I don't know, my luggage made it on the plane or that my luggage made the transfer. That feels good these days because I actually I just traveled in November and I, my luggage arrived home like a week later. We all had these problems at some point probably. And having the convenience to just check your phone and know exactly where your luggage is right now or where it's been over the last 30 minutes, very nice to have. So yes, it is a problem. Do you see the airlines themselves at some point? I know Alaska has talked about this in their case, but do you see the airlines themselves at some point coming out with built-in technology in well, their apps have, to track the bags? It's funny he mentioned, you know, he went to went to Germany uh, and the fact that the German flag carrier Lufthansa was banning air tags last year and then they relented from the public outcry and then they decided and then they chose to uh, allow them to fly again is the airlines going to step forward and do this that's a good question I, I do not have an answer with because I've heard conflicting 
priorities in that that you know for for them wanting to ex- improve the travel experience elsewise other than the baggage uh, for things. Uh, Delta, for example, just announced at CES that they're offering free Wi-Fi in all their planes, all the newer planes that are flying here. Now, is that, I'm not saying that they made a priority over luggage, you know, tracking of luggage, but, you know, the airlines are trying to differentiate themselves in the market as to what they're offering their customers from flying from point A to point B. So you could see some airlines going all in on that, whereas other airlines would rather let somebody else put the money up and find a solution and then they would come forth to do it. So, And I imagine some airlines would charge you an extra $40 or oh, $50 absolutely. or yes. more especially, as an yeah, a la carte. Yeah, with, yeah, the a la carte uh, fees, especially with your ultra low cost carriers. Absolutely. The other story I wanted to mention to you, I alluded to a little bit when we were talking before we started recording. We have airplanes flying over us all the time here. And it's funny, as soon as I started talking to you two, they stopped. I don't know, maybe you have a supreme command <laughs> over the flight routes here on the Lake Washington Ship Canal in Seattle's Fremont neighborhood. But No comment. It, <laughs> <laughs> it gets to the point of just how public a lot of the flight data is flight data are, I guess some of the English teachers would correct me on. But this came up in the issue of Elon Musk's private jet a few weeks ago, several weeks ago, as news publishers, yourselves now, news aggregators, how do you look at the issues of privacy that come up and doxing potentially through making public someone's otherwise kind of hard to find flight data records uh, you first, I, <laughs> this is the i say the I, I, I'm, question I, for I, I personally know yes. jack i know jack the person, jack dorsey no jack sweeney the guy that runs that oh, oh okay sorry i think of jack and there's only one yeah. jack yeah, in my mind. Jack Swe- yeah jack sweeney and stuff he's tw- he, who, who ran the site who was banned from twitter yes okay. and he's back now Okay. The whole Elon Musk thing is, I, I think his reaction was a little bit exaggerated. <laughs> you think? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess I can understand his concern about his privacy at a threshold level. Especially I have to be careful what I say. Kids. I don't want our account yes. to be banned from Twitter. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, these days you need to be careful. Yes, of course, the reaction was uh, exaggerated and, and uh, definitely uh, not appropriate. Doxing is a problem and no one wants it and we all want to avoid it. And I think we all agree that, I don't know, we should not publish the location of Elon Musk's kids anywhere. Indeed, the information that was posted on Twitter is public information and it's been for I don't know how long. This was just one channel to publish it. Well, the other thing, too, with Elon, and not only did he shut down the, the personal account of uh, the programmer, Jack Sweeney, who built the Twitter bot, as well as the other, he had like 20 other Twitter bots devoted towards NASA airplanes that would send up updates whenever a NASA airplane flew up, Colson Aviation, an aerial firefighting company and stuff. He created a bot network for that, for posting. Those all got taken down. Uh, he also did the celebrity jets locally here, Jeff Bezos' uh, private jet, uh, Mark Zuckerberg's private jet. You know, you know, he was doing it, and those all got taken down. Uh, the technology he was using for that... Uh, it's called ADSB Exchange. That one is specifically popular for doing jets, is because they don't take money for taking registration of jets uh, of aircraft off of it. Elon chose to ban that account, even though they didn't. Do, you know, they have the they're the technology behind what Jack uses, but they didn't personally post anything about. Hmm. Uh, Elon chose to take away a completely business uh, off Twitter for that. So, and I'm for me extremely sad and frustrating. So, Isaac, you're as we've mentioned a real enthusiast about aviation. What are you most excited about these days, especially when you think about technology and all kinds of aircraft? 
My most exciting thing I'm looking forward to in 2023 for aerospace is actually defense-related. Hmm. The U.S. Air Force revealed the brand-new Northrop Grumman B-21 Raider bomber. It's the first new uh, stealth bomber that the United States has built since the 1988 when the, B, uh, the B-2 rolled out of Palmdale. What's going to be interesting about this is from what I'm hearing from military sources is that their first flight of it, uh, usually first flights of, of aircraft are done during the day. Nope. Uh, apparently, uh, they want to fly that aircraft, uh, have the first aircraft uh, as long as possible, undisclosed to the general public globally. It's not so much uh, showing American citizens fine, it's showing our uh, adversaries, uh, North Korea, uh, Iran, Russia, China, uh, that type of thing, is to keeping the lock on it. So uh, it's getting, uh, seeing that aircraft and stuff fly for the first time and so forth. It gets me excited. Growing up, I was really, uh, grew up next to SeaTac Airport, so I saw plenty of commercial aviation growing up, but I was always loved the, you know, the military jets and uh, bombers for the U.S. Air Force are so, uh, or for any Air Force globally are so rare. So that's kind of the one story and stuff that makes me uh, uh, excited for, for defense, uh, for space. See more Falcon Heavy launches uh, have happened. Uh, there's supposed to be, I believe, two this year. And then, uh, then, you know, we had the glorious Artemis launch and that one's going to be for a couple of years. And I don't know. Probably the, the for me the best space stories has been the uh, the James Webb Telescope. Uh, seeing the images, incredible images and stuff coming from that. Uh, especially if you go locally to the Museum of Flight and you go to the uh, the space building there, and they have a big screen television with nine monitors put together. And when you see the the, the images of, of the cosmos on those screens, it's just. You could just sit there. I, I did for like a half hour and just watching the images that they had kind of slowly going through them this summer at the museum. It was just phenomenal. So just great. Anything you're looking forward to, especially in the news? I'm very excited about everything EVTOL, like uh, electric vertical takeoff and landing. I'm skeptical to a degree uh, how soon we're going to get any of these and how soon we're actually going to be able to use any of these products. But I'm very excited about it because I think when we have them, that's going to change transportation especially in metropolitan areas, a lot. And um, that's that's definitely a field that I'm very, very interested in. One thing we want to add on hype aviation as well uh, that we're working on right now and will be launching soon is a more topic-focused categorization of news. So that, for example, you are interested in general aviation or you are interested in the James Webb Space Telescope, for example, or you are interested in electric vertical takeoff and landing technologies that you can have dedicated landing pages for these specific topics and see all the news that are relevant to this particular topic. And I think this is going to improve the experience for our visitors and readers significantly and it's going to make it much, much easier and actually open up a completely new way to follow news in these fields. And we're very excited about launching that soon. So if people are not familiar with Hype Aviation and they want to follow you, obviously they can go to hypeaviation.com and follow you on Twitter. LinkedIn. And now Mastodon, we uh, added that as a feature. And then also we, uh, very importantly, if you uh, want a daily newsletter, Robin set it up so for three time zones. So basically, if you're in Europe, Asia, uh, or the North Americas, uh, you can get a you can sign up for the time zone and stuff you're choosing. It has five top aerospace stories in everything, whether it's aviation, defense, or space. And then it has five aviation stories, five defense stories, five space stories, at the top of the day. Going back to what he said about uh, Tech Meme and Gabe, uh, the technology industry is huge. You know, but I forget what the last computed amount and stuff that the technology industry is. Aerospace, aviation, defense, and space is a smaller subset of that. But for me, this is just as exciting. I'm thrilled and stuff for it. So it gives me enough uh, variety and stuff every day to get up for and uh, cover it. I got to say, in some ways, Isaac, I think you're underselling it because you've got the technology built in 
Correct. to the entire conversation. But you've also got this intersection with the physical world and not just our earthly physical world, but the universe as well. For this reason, it's one of the reasons I love talking with Alan Boyle, GeekWire contributing editor, who's a longtime aerospace and space reporter. It's just, you can sit here and imagine the possibilities and think about everything, not just on this planet, but everywhere in the universe. Absolutely. So it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, just one thing we should maybe mention uh, to avoid confusion. Uh, the site is indeed called HypeAviation.com, and that is because it started as an aviation news aggregator. But since Isaac joined, since we now have more manpower and uh, have <laughs> have more, yeah, more headcount to process all these all these news, we since expanded to defense and space stories. So that's why Isaac also brought up some of those topics earlier. Um, so the site is, as of today, still called HypeAviation.com. Uh, but we are also covering defense and space news. Robin and Isaac, thank you very much for sitting down with me. It was an honor and pleasure, Todd. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening. Kurt Milton edits and produces the show. Daniel L.K. Caldwell composed and performed our theme music. I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop. We'll be back next week with a new episode of the GeekWire podcast.